Blog Talk Radio. Bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are live with the word on Wednesday. This is Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are once again delighted to be with you tonight. No, we've been gone for a couple of weeks um, because uh, yours truly went out in the yard and began to uh, try to do some work in the yard and then digging around. I hit the internet cable, and, well, I knocked us off the internet. But we've got that all resolved, and we are excited to be with you once again to continue our study through Acts. When we last left Paul, Paul had been apprehended by, or accosted rather, by a crowd in the temple who claimed that uh, he had violated temple rules. Specifically, what what they claimed that he had done was that, number one, that he had brought a Gentile beyond the area of the Gentiles into the temple, and that was punishable by death. And the second thing that they claimed that he did was that he had, um, that he was teaching not according to the law. When Paul tries to appeal to them and show them that he is living lawful, they don't listen to him, and they continue to beat him. He has to be uh, rescued by the Romans, and the Romans take him into the castle where they're getting ready to uh, flog him, and they're they're getting ready to to beat the truth out of him, so to speak. Long and the short of it is he says he's a Roman citizen. He he says that he's a Roman citizen, and what they're doing is unlawful. Now, let's go big picture real quick before we jump into this. The big thing that you need to see here is that this was all a part of the plan for Paul. And the one thing that we're emphasizing throughout this study or throughout this this section of our study, is that there are times when the Christian is persecuted and he is being persecuted according to the plan of God. Now, I know that this is something that, that we're not teaching in our churches today, that instead we're teaching that once you become a Christian, that everything goes smooth, and all you got to do is ride it out here until Jesus comes back and gets us. If you stick to it, if you stay with faith, everything will be fine. And that if you're running into some problems, it's either the devil or you're sinning or, or something is wrong with your faith or something is wrong with your walk. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Remember we said, Jesus said himself, if you suffer with me, you'll reign with me. He also says, if they treated me like this, how do you think they're going to treat you? And then further, there is a suffering 
for righteousness' sake. What does that mean? That sometimes we are called to suffer for the sake of righteousness, to show what righteousness really looks like. And tonight, after I pray, I'm going to introduce one other thing about this this suffering that we go through, and then we'll get right into the text. But before we get any go any further, why don't we have a word of prayer, and then we'll open up the word to Acts chapter 23, and we'll go from there. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We come to say thank you. We come to bless you. We come to magnify your name. And we come specifically tonight to learn more of you through the study of your word. Father, your word is so precious to us. Your spirit is so precious to us. And we need your word and we need your spirit because it's by your word that we learn, but it's by your spirit, oh God, that we that it, everything is revealed to us. Because your spirit leads us into all truth. So we ask for your spirit to be present in this study tonight. We ask that it would that you would speak to us individually and collectively tonight. And we don't want this just to be a knowledge thing. But instead, we want to know how to apply this word, how to use this word to further your kingdom. We bless and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's another thing that that is. Um, hey, brother Jerry, how you doing? Um, there's another thing that happens when we suffer. When we suffer, suffering brings us to perfection. And you see this word in 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 the Bible, perfection. And when the when we look at it from an English standpoint, we think perfection means perfect. But when the biblical use of perfection, that word means more completion. So when you see being made perfect, the thought that you should have is being made complete. So what God is doing as we, we um, go through trials and tribulations because it says, um, count it all joy when you suffer various tribulations because tribulations work with patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not a shame. You know, um, when we look at the perfecting process, suffering is a part of it. It's a discipline kind of thing. It's a proving kind of thing. Remember, go back to go back to the, the uh, um, uh, Exodus. Go back to Exodus, and one of the things that you find in Exodus and in Judges, as a matter of fact, is that God does not remove the enemy from you, but instead He leaves the enemy there because the it is because of the enemy. It is because of the enemy that we are perfected. We're tried. The enemy is allowed to try us. Remember in Job, the devil tried Job. What was he trying? He was trying to break his faith. He was trying to see what would happen uh, with the faith of Job. And so when we as Christians are called into situations of persecution, this is no more than God saying, we're going to test your faith. We're going to expose your faith 
to fire. We're going to see how you react, how you respond in certain situations so if there's something wrong there, it could be burned off. It's all a part of the perfecting process. Amen? Okay. okay, so those are the things that I wanted to say that Paul is going through now. And Paul is going through them for what? The sake of the gospel. He's on a mission. And he's been sent. Remember, we covered that off when he was in Ephesus and he was traveling on his way back to Jerusalem and everybody was telling him, don't go, don't go, it's trouble, it's trouble, it's trouble. He said the Holy Spirit was sending him into it. And not only was the Holy Spirit sending him into Jerusalem, but he was telling them, look, imprisonment is waiting you there. You're going in there and they're going to put you in jail. And sure enough, guess what happens? They go there and look where he winds up. Okay, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 23. Turn in your Bibles there, and we'll get right into it tonight. Because, again, this is just an extension, and this is now we're getting into the narrative of what happened and gives me the opportunity to explain certain portions of the narrative so you understand it better. I'm going to start actually reading at Acts chapter 22, verse 30, because it dovetails into the passage, okay? So, but on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priest and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking intently, now I'm at 23 verse 1, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So what's happened here? The, the tribune calls a council meeting. He calls them and he says, you guys better get here and you guys better tell me why you were doing what you were doing and what this guy is supposed to be guilty of. They assemble the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is made up of Sadducees and Pharisees. Um, as Paul says that he has lived in good conscience, let's deal with that phrase first. When Paul's speaking and says, I've lived in good conscience, what he's saying is, I have walked upright and I have followed the law. I am a follower of the law. I keep the law and I practice the law. Now, he's not saying that he's perfect because if he was perfect, then he would not be sacrificing. He would not be uh, paying his vows. He would not be doing the, all of the things that needed, that needed to be done in order to present yourself before God because, again, the sacrificial system is still in order. 
They are still following the laws of Moses. They are still um, sacrificing, uh, giving sin offerings, and they're still giving peace offerings and fellowship offerings so they can be, according to the law, in good standing with God. So Paul is saying, look, I do all this. I am a practicing Jew. I conform to the law. That's, that's what he's saying. And when he says that, when he makes that statement, the high priest orders somebody to slap him in his mouth. Now, that was unlawful, and Paul points that out. But, what he, but Paul has to apologize because he, too, violates the law. I think it's Exodus chapter 22. Let's turn, let me turn over there real quick. Exodus chapter 22, if I got it real quick, verse 28. You shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. So Paul, when he calls him white, a whitewashed wall, is basically uh, speaking evil of a ruler. Now you say, well, but he was a high priest, not a ruler. The high priest was considered the ruler of the people at the time. There was no king. Uh, Rome had taken over Judea. So the recognized king uh, came from Rome. The emperor was the king. And if you came and said that you was a king, then you got dealt with. Remember, that was part of the charges that they that they brought Jesus up on. He said he was a king. He said he was king of the Jews. Remember that inscription that Pilate puts over the cross? That that was considered insurrection. So the bottom line is that Paul, the when when he has him smacked, he says, You're not a good Jew. And then when um when Paul fires back at him and says, Wait a minute, hold on. And calling him a whitewashed wall. Let me explain what he said then. He says, he says, there is the appearance of something, but there's nothing to it. There is nothing to it. You're in disguise. You are not, you are not who you say you are. I know many of us are not familiar with whitewash, but whitewash is just, um, it's fake paint. You can, you know, it'll look white for a few minutes, but when the rain hits it, then what you see is it'll wash right off because there's nothing, there's no pigment in it, there's not enough pigment in it, there's not enough of the adhesives in it to make it stick and stay and stand the test of time. So when time hits that wall, it exposes what it really is. And so basically what Paul is saying to him is, you're going to be exposed as a fraud that you are. But then Paul has to apologize to him because he has violated the law that we just read in Exodus um, 28, uh, 22, 22, 28, excuse me. Okay, so now let's go to verse 6. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he had said this, 
a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply. We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And when the dissension became violent, the tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. So what Paul does then is he sees that he's not going to be able to make his argument and present the gospel of Jesus to them, and he reasons that it's because of the set the Sadducees. Now you got to understand the beliefs of the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees do not believe in spirits. As a matter of fact. What the Sadducees, the only thing that the Sadducees believed in was basically the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They did not believe in the oral tradition, and they did not cotton to the prophets, nor did they uh, uh, um, really spend a lot of time in the Psalms. And the basic Jews believed in the law, which is the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's what they believed in. But the Sadducees were different. Now, what's what, what to these Sadducees? Well, first of all, the Sadducees were the aristocracy of society. The high priests um, that were appointed, were appointed by the Romans. The high priests were not the high priests that we were used to in the Old Testament who ascended through... through through the Levitical line. These high priests were basically puppet priests. They were, they were rich people who got appointed. And the Sadducees made up basically rich folk. So they were the aristocracy of Jewish society. And the Pharisees, on the other hand, were basically... Uh, the blue-collar workers, they weren't rich, but they were learned. So you have these learned blue-collar people, and you have these rich people. Does that remind you of something? Hmm? Does that remind you of, of what, we, what we're seeing today, that there is that 1% who are in control of uh, basic governmental workings, who liaise with the government to manipulate the law. And this is what the, even though the, Pharisees, um, the Sadducees called themselves the law and order party, and the reason why they were the law and order party was because any insurrection was put down and they didn't want any problem with Rome because if there was insurrection and the Romans had to come in, then that high priest and that party would lose their power. And, so, and this, is the pro- this is the major problem that they had with Jesus, that 
and the fact that they didn't believe what Jesus was saying because they believed that when the body died, the soul died also. And so there was no such thing as a resurrection. And this it becomes the, the problem with the Pharisee, I mean with the Sadducees. And so what Paul does is Paul comes and he says, uh-uh. And he splits them based on their belief. And the Pharisees say, you know, because Paul's testimony, and they've heard his testimony before, is that he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, that Jesus told him to do this, and that he was doing it because he had met the risen Savior. So you have one party that doesn't believe in the resurrection and another party that does. That's how the, the, that's how the contention comes in in this thing. So now, verse eleven. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, "Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also so you must testify also in Rome." Hmm. Isn't that something? Now look here, look here. God is going to take him from the missionary field to a platform where he is testifying to the gospel in Jerusalem, which is the center of Jewish faith. And now he's getting ready to take him to an even larger stage where he could testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the highest um, city in the land, into Rome. Paul, through his persecution, receives the honor of delivering the gospel message in Rome. Verse 12. You see, well, let me stop for a second. Let me see where I'm at. Okay, good time. Let me stop. One of the things that you have to understand is that God is strategic in doing what he does. The path for your life, the persecution that you suffer, the encounters that you have, the, your position in the marketplace, on, the, on your job, the neighborhood that you live in, everything that you are doing, is all a part of God's plan for your life. And so, rather than grumble and complain and, and blame it on the devil, what we have to do is we have to thank God that he has placed us in this position and then seek his face and follow the spirit of God as he uses us to advance the kingdom of God. We sometimes get it in our mind that advancing the kingdom of God just means that on Sunday morning we get up on a platform in a friendly environment and we preach the gospel. And that one person has to do it and, and then it's all over with. No, we are all messengers. We are all ambassadors. And we are all being used by God to advance the kingdom of God. Amen? Okay, let me keep going. Verse 12, when it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. 
there were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, we strictly bound ourselves by an oath to taste no food till we have killed Paul. I wouldn't have done that if I was them. They're going to have some missed meal cramps on this deal. Now, therefore, you, along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you as though you were going to determine his case more exactly, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. You hear the plot? So they, 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 go to the, they go to the chief priest and say, summon old Paul, get him to come this way. And as soon as he comes this way, we're going to take care of him once and for all. We're going to kill him. Now the son, verse 16, of Paul's sisters heard of their ambush. So he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the tribune, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you as he has something to say to you. The tribune took, took him by the hand and, going aside, asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than 40 of their men are lying in ambush for him who have bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, charging him, tell no one that you have informed me of these things. That's pretty, that's pretty straightforward there. But here's the thing. Don't you know that there is no secret from God, that there is nothing that anyone can do to hide something from God, and that there is nothing that anyone can do to stop the plan of God for your life, that where God has ordered you to go, what God has ordered you to do, what God has for you cannot be taken from you nor withheld from you because the word of God is sure and true and does not come back to him void but accomplishes its purpose. And Paul had, and God had just previously said to Paul, you're going to Rome. See how that connects? You're going to Rome. And then God says, let me, let me, let me let this boy this yeah, know what's going on. And he lets him know what's going on, and they get word, and then and and so the plot is foiled. Go go to verse twenty three, because I'm rushing to get finished now. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready two hundred soldiers and seventy horsemen, and two hundred spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also, Provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Lysus to His Excellency, the Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them. When I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen, and desiring to know the charge for which they were accusing him, I brought him down to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions of their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or imprisonment. 
And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instruction, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris, and on the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with him. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they presented Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. Now, we finish this chapter off by showing that now Paul gets a personal escort down to Caesarea. And Caesarea is... Uh, this, uh, the, um, one of the, the palaces that, um, that the governor stays in. Now, remember, we talked about the governor, and the governor is, that another word for governor is proconsul. And the proconsul, Felix at that time, is appointed for a two-year stint. And he is to handle all of the governmental affairs within that region. And so Felix is the one that is supposed to de make determinations of law concerning Paul. And since um, they send him down to Felix to make that determination because they don't want him killed on his watch. Killing a Roman citizen, killing a prisoner, is, uh, it will cause some great consequences for the tribune for the soldiers that are guarding him, etc. So they don't want that on them, so they ship Paul out. Now notice, this is just part of his journey. This is part of God's plan to, extend, to, to, to move the gospel into the high places, to get someone into the high places who is going to, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is Paul's task now. Paul has been in the wilderness. He's been with barbarians uh, over in, in the region of Galatia. And so he has been everywhere. And now he's going to the big house. I want to say something to us now. And the thing that I want to show us very, very quickly, as I said in the opening, that this is all a part of God's plan that God knows how to deal with the rich as well as the poor. God is no respecter of persons. And when it comes down to it, every man, every woman has to make a decision concerning the gospel. But the gospel has to be presented, and that's our job. And again, as I said at the beginning of the show, persecution is ordained by God. Yeah, this hard time that Paul is having, God orders it up. The hard time that you might be having, God ordered that for your life. God is allowing that in your life. And I know that people don't want to hear that, but it's just the truth anyway. So what does he say? Count it all joy. That's right. When you encounter this stuff, count it joy. What does he say? I a glory in sufferings. He says, I count it all joy. 
It's a joy because I'm considered worthy that God has picked me to suffer with Jesus and for Jesus' sake. But yet today, brothers and sisters, sometimes we look at suffering. And don't get me wrong, don't nobody want to suffer. Ooh, if I didn't have to suffer, I wouldn't miss none of it. If every now and then somebody didn't talk about me, I wouldn't miss that at all. If I wasn't being confused or, or, or somebody wasn't, you know, withstanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, I wouldn't miss nothing at all. I wish I could just get up and preach and then go someplace and sit down and happy, happy, happy. But every sermon is met with some kind of opposition. He didn't say that right or or. He don't know what he's talking about, or that ain't what the Bible say, or that ain't what the Bible means when I'm reading it right out the Bible, by the way. You know, anybody that knows me knows that I am a word preacher and that I am going to do my best to teach that word as accurately as possible for one simple reason, because, you know, I'm responsible for what I teach. I'm responsible for what comes out of my mouth. And if I lead you wrong and I don't teach it right, Guess what? I got an answer for this. I got an answer for this. And so I do my very, very best to follow the word, to follow the spirit of God. And if I don't know, say I don't know. And if I mess up, to come back and say, oh, I got that wrong. Brothers and sisters, here's a perfect example of Paul. Following the spirit of God, even the things that he says in the council, that gets him to the next step of his journey. Paul's a thinking man. Paul's an educated man. And so all of the education, he's using it. He's a praying man. He's listening and he's following the spirit. Word and spirit have come together. And I know that sometimes you, if some people say, well, you know, um, that when you get to the church, check your brain at the door because they're going to tell you what to think. No, 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 no. No, no, no. God wants us thinking, but he also wants us praying, and he also wants us listening, and he also wants us following his spirit because the spirit leads us into all truth. Ooh, I'm a few minutes over. So that's our lesson for tonight, and the encouragement that I have is for you is, look, if you're going through, go through. Go through with God. And let God use you right where you are. I mean, I know a lot of times on the job, ooh, them jobs will make you sick, and the people on them jobs will make you sick. But I want you to take a different attitude. I want you to go in your office tomorrow. I want you to go if your cubicle or wherever it is that you're working, and I want you to say, Lord, how do we advance the gospel today? And it might just be you don't say a word. Because oftentimes, it's not the word, it's the actions that you do. It's the love that you show. God wants you there to be an example. And as you follow the Spirit and do what the word tells you to do, you watch and see what happens. Stop dreading that. Stop dreading it. Know that you've been baptized into the body of Christ, that you're an ambassador for God, and that you represent Jesus, and do as Paul does. Spread the gospel. Well, that's it for tonight. Let's have a word of prayer. If there are any questions, you can call me right now at um, 929-477-2304, or if you're on Facebook Live right now, 
you can um, just type the question into the, on the screen. I'll see it after we pray, and then I'll answer it real quickly because usually I, I leave time for that. We leave time and space for that. Let's go. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. We come to say thank you. We bless you that once again you lead us into the truth of your word, that you left us this, this great example and this, uh, of Paul and how you work with him and how you delight to work with us. We thank you that you give us understanding of the trials and tribulations and persecutions that we endure now that are nothing compared to what's happening in other countries. We thank you that you are so kind to us that you allow us to, to live freely. Father, we thank you that you show us that there's governments involved and that you know how to deal with governments and that not but that we are of a different government. We are the government of God and that you rule over us just like you rule over the earth. They just don't know it yet. Help us to do what you told us to do. Advance the kingdom of God through word and through deed, through the way we live our lives, the stand that we take, the faith that we have in you through our worship, as well as our witness. God, we bless you that you've given us this testimony. Now use it to your glory. Power us by your spirit. We thank and praise you for all who have come out tonight to this Bible study, who are listening and who are feasting on your word. I pray, Father, that you would impart something special to them something that does not come out of my mouth, but comes directly from your mouth to their spirit. Oh God, bless them tonight. Bless them by the power of your word. Reassure those who are shaky in their faith. Embolden those who are ready to be on fire, already on fire for you. Come for those who right now are being persecuted. Let them know that you are with them, even in the fire. We thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I see that there are no questions, and so I'm going to call it a night. Next week, we, begin, we, we go to chapter 24, and before this summer gets here, Guru, we will be finished with Acts. Um, you can pick up uh, copies of previous teachings on um, you can p pick up copies of previous teachings or, or review them on my the YouTube Word Worship and Witness Ministries website. Um, I'm about three or four videos down. I got I got to place them out there. I just haven't done them because uh, I've been out of that yard trying to get that yard together, and then there was some I had a little. Um, adjusting to some medications and didn't feel good for a little while. But now, woo, I got it. I've got it going on. So I bless you. I praise God for each of you. I praise you for your faithfulness. Share this with somebody. We've got to get everybody back into the word, not reading snippets, but reading the whole thing, the whole counsel of God. And that's why I take my time and I go, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, trying to make sure that we get 
a real good look and, and hear what God is saying completely. Amen. So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful evening and be blessed. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.